Good morning, and welcome to this special chapel on Friday, April 4th, 2008. I welcome you to this space. Contemporary Job or just another Joe? In this chapel, Professor of Art John Blosser will offer personal reflections of his recent strolls through the valley of the shadow of death, his recent encounters with lymphoma, a secondary coronary, and multiple losses of loved ones in recent times, and how these experiences have tempered his faith. Let us pray. God of the valleys and the shadows and the lights, we invite your presence here and thank you for John's life and for John's testimony. Amen. Please get your Sing the Journey books and turn to number 54. Number 54, Longing for Light. And Grant, if you could get the slide up there, that would be helpful. We'll sing the first two verses and repeat the refrain after Liz and Lane play it through one time. Lamentations chapter 3, 
verses 19 to 25. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to, my, I say, I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. I'm Steve Schantz. I'm a member of John, John's um, small group at Assembly Mennonite Church. I first met John as a gushing bridegroom-to-be, um, and I did not know at that time his recent history of um, the death of his spouse from polycystic kidney disease. And I've kind of walked along beside him um, as he came into sabbatical, shortly thereafter, heart attack, a miraculous recovery, then sickness, really sick, cancer, and healing. John's been a light in our small group and to me personally in terms of how he's moved through these stages in his life. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Joel Miller, and uh, yes, I am still a student here. <laughs> I spend a lot of time in the art building, and so does the person I'm about to introduce. For those of you who have never had a class with John, you are truly missing out. He is perhaps the most enthusiastic teacher I've ever had. Since my intro to painting class a number of years ago, I've gotten to know John and been blessed by his wisdom and motivated by his upbeat personality. Last summer, I ran into John and ended up helping him carry a huge dying plant outside of the art building so he could nurse it back to health. Along with art and gardening, John loves jogging, biking, sailing, camping, baking cakes, and traveling. He told me that he loved leading the Arts in Paris class in 2004. Before coming to Goshen, John taught at Heston College in Kansas, Garden Valley Collegiate in Winker, Manitoba, and Macha Secondary School in Zambia. He is currently the chair of the art department here at Goshen, and he teaches mostly studio 2D courses. Um, he's teaching senior seminar this year and has taught a number of other courses within the department. Uh, besides being a great teacher, John is a great artist as well. Um, if any of you were around to see his paintings at the Hershberger Art um, Gallery a few years ago, uh, you all would understand what I mean. One thing that anyone would tell you about John is that he has a seemingly never-ending pool of stories, and he'll tell them at any time. So I'll turn it over to him now so he can share some of that with you. Please welcome John Blosser. Thank you. I'm... Uh honored to be here, and it seems a little strange, honestly, to be here. I don't necessarily choose and want to be a poster child for the sick guy. Um, you know, gosh, what he's been through. 
Um, on the other hand, you might think of me a little like Hitler, who just kept taking hit after hit and surviving it, I guess. And uh, is that luck or is that uh, something else? Uh, don't think of me a lot like Hitler, but uh, <laughs> just a little. Well, when Bob asked me to do this about a month ago, we were walking in the, in the uh, union building, and I, I said, yes, I would be prepared to do that. I know others have stood up here before me, and maybe others who are more worthy than me to stand up here. Um, I think of Deb Brubaker, who, when we both started the same year, we discovered she had breast cancer. And I think of Sue Plank, and I think of a number of um, men who don't necessarily stand up here, but I know that they're going through some things. Um, so I'm honored to be here, and I'm honored that you're even here to... I, I knew this was one of those chapels toward the end of the year when everybody's done. And so it's, uh, I'm honored for someone to come and, and uh, listen to my stories. Thanks, Joel. <laughs> um, I'll try to keep this uh, within our time limit here. Um, but why am I up here? What's the big deal? Um, the reason I, I use the title, A Contemporary Job, a friend of mine in Kansas wrote to me and said, you are a contemporary Job. And he's, he's known me for 21 years and, and known much of what I've gone through. Uh, by the way, he himself had gone through quite a bit. Um, and I don't think that I am a contemporary Job, although we all carry Job in us. Uh, there are certainly many of you out here that are worthy of standing here and that have been through much yourselves, students as well. I know that. Um, so I don't know that having had several near-death experiences, three to be exact, uh, makes me a celeb um, or a sage. In fact, all of us, if you think about it, have had at least three near-death experiences, all of you, somewhere, driving down the road, walking across the street, um, so forth. So uh, I'm no expert. I may be only a survivor. And many of you have or will face more than I have. Um, I think about my good friend Ron Stutzman, who died, and I'm older than Ron was when he died. I've, I've surpassed him in age now. And Ron was a, a fine professor of sociology here. Uh, and I can go on. There are many who could easily be here. But I hope that my story brings some hope and some insight. And if not now for you, uh, maybe later on, maybe 20 years from now, I, I can think back to when I was a student. And uh, one of my fellow students died of cancer. He was 21 years old and died. And uh, it just didn't seem possible, but he was a fine person and he died. So we all know that uh, this, is, this is life. Well, my litany of losses, I, I guess uh, Steve stole my thunder, but I'll go through them real quickly again, uh, just so you understand sort of what the last 10 years of my life has been like. Um, I didn't choose it this way. In a way, it came to me. And it certainly has brought certain darknesses to my life, and one has to live with that, but then we all have that. Um, almost exactly 10 years ago, um, April 15th this month, uh, my first wife of 27 years died from complications of polycystic kidneys, and uh, she was in the intensive care ward for about eight weeks in Wichita, Kansas, and it was very difficult to watch her struggle for life and to let her go. And then my mother died uh, that same year, about uh, on exactly our wedding anniversary in December, uh, the day of, which seemed ironic, but there it was. But my mother was very old. She was 93. Two very important uncles died the same year. Sprinkle that in. And then about four months later, my father-in-law, Harry Lowen in Mountain Lake, Minnesota, passed away. And then I moved here by myself 
to this place from Kansas after 21 years. So I had, uh, I had this feeling of being alone and having to reorient myself to a new location. This was not a foreign location to me, but it had been 30 years since I lived here as a student and, and taught here early in my time. So that was a pretty, uh, pretty major move and, and quite, a, quite an adjustment. In fact, if you think about the stress scale um, that someone lives with, moving, losing spouses, you know, changing jobs, those are all high stressors and I would probably have been somewhere off the, the map. Um, but then 9-11 uh, happened and that was an awful thing, I remember that, you probably all remember that. But a month later, Beck and I got married and that was a good stress, <laughs> that's been a very good stress. And uh, then I was fortunate to, to be awarded a, uh, a sabbatical. And um, so how did I start off my sabbatical? I was jogging and I had a heart attack. That was number two, in fact. I had had a heart attack when I was 48 years old. And uh, this was uh, about 11 years later or something like that. And so uh, here I was having four stents put in in September. And uh, boy, there went, my, there went my sabbatical for a while. And just about the time I was up and running and finally had some stride with my artwork, uh, my sister-in-law, my wife's, my first wife's uh, only sister, got really sick right around Christmas time. And January 10, she died also. And she also had the same disease, polycystic kidney disease, which is uh, very common, by the way. It's more common than MS. And uh, she had to have a kidney transplant, as did my wife, my first wife, Jan and she uh, died of large B-cell lymphoma, and I had never really heard of that, but uh, she went down very quickly because she was immunosuppressed. And by the way, while I have this podium, I have for, for years wanted to stand here and say this to people. Um, if you have not thought of your body as something for stewardship, please do. My wife had a kidney transplant from a man that got killed in a car accident. He was brain dead, but the rest of his body was perfectly fine. Um, and the same with my sister-in-law. And I do know that one of our staff members have a, has a five-year-old son who may well need one. So please consider signing your driver's license and talking to your family. Because if something happens to you, why should that, hap why should that be buried? Why should perfectly good used parts be buried? So please uh, consider that. Thank you. Okay, advertisement aside. Finally, uh, I'm back to teaching and things are going really well and we have our 50th uh, anniversary of this art department here. And so it, feels, it felt like I was working double hard and I just couldn't keep up with things. We had special events and special, uh, special shows and uh, I was just falling further and further behind and getting more and more tired and I couldn't figure out what was going on. Um, I couldn't sleep at night, I had back aches. I was fine during the day, I could teach, I was great, but I couldn't sleep, couldn't lay down flat. I had to sit up and sleep in a chair. I started getting strange aches in front. I got numb hands and it, I couldn't figure out what was going on. In fact, I got so sick one time in, in painting class, I had to walk out and I literally walked out the door and lost my breakfast, you know, I was really sick. Uh, that sounds funny, but I couldn't figure out what was going on. I, it also meant a couple of trips to the emergency room at nighttime when I could hardly stand up straight and I was jittery and f it just was weird. And uh, so look, that was part of the illness and finally uh, my doctor got the sense to, to do a CT scan and they discovered that I had large B-cell lymphoma, which by the way was the same disease my sister-in-law had. 
So here I was with a disease I had no idea I would get, never, never imagined myself getting, getting cancer. In my family, the men die of heart attacks, not cancer, thank you. But you get what you get, and I got it. Um, so suddenly I was thrust into a strange new world. I'd look across from, from Goshen Hospital to the art department while I was sitting in the infusion room. You folks are busy over here doing your thing, and I'm looking out the window, and that was very strange. I also had some sad roommates, uh, one in Ann Arbor. I went to Ann Arbor because my son is a resident there and went to the huge medical center there for the first chemo treatment. And um, my first roommate was probably a Vietnam veteran, an older man, an amputee who couldn't talk and uh, seemed to be sliding down the slope toward death very quickly. Um, and that was sort of a scary vision. And uh, there was another 40-year-old man who had a wife and children, and uh, he couldn't work. He had cancer and didn't know how long he'd live, and his wife was doing the whole task of pulling the, pulling the family and keeping them together and putting food on the table, and so forth. So, uh, and I'd walked past hundreds of people in the hallway at uh, this huge medical center, and a lot of them wearing masks and with no hair and so forth. And uh, so... A few pictures here. This is me at Thanksgiving time at a show in Chicago at the Culture Center, and I was fortunate enough to get into a juried show. Uh, the juror was a, is a woman who uh, writes for the Chicago Sun-Times as a, as a uh, art critic and uh, for Art News Magazine. But I was really sick then. It doesn't look like it, but I, I still couldn't sleep very well. And this was just before I found out what was wrong with me. And here I am, you know. I, I really did lose my hair. Very, suddenly I was brushing my hair in the sink and it was all gone. And uh, so I was sick. Um, so what was the hope? Well, I was told I had a very dangerous disease that untreated it could cause death and certain, almost certain death. And I felt like I was dying. And I think I probably was. But on the other hand, the good news was lymphoma is the most curable, it's most common, by the way, of all non-Hodgkin's non lymphoma diseases, and it's the most curable. And so my chances were much better than many people's chances with other forms of cancer. It meant, for sure, six chemo treatments. Four of them uh, were to be in hospital with chemistry, and two of them at home, and taking pills and so forth. And I thought, aha, that's sweet. I can, do I can do this, I can stay home and take pills. Well, that was the worst of it. You know, it, it made me sicker than being on, on the, uh, the drip. Um, so that was life. Um, I put my head into it, and I lost my hair, and I lost uh, 20 pounds in a month. I was down to 130 pounds, some of you might remember it. Um, I felt like I had lost my identity. Uh, as I looked in the mirror, I kept thinking, gee, this is me, this is me. Um, and I'd walk past friends here on campus and uh, former students, art students, and they didn't recognize me. It's like I was wearing a mask. It was the strangest thing. And uh, it happens that way because, of course, I had changed appearance. And we all do change appearance, usually slower than that, but, but you'll all look different in 10 years, I guarantee it. Um, and then when they did recognize me, I sort of dreaded it because then they say, how are you? Which meant, you look awful. <laughs> and uh, and I got, sometimes you get tired of answering that question about the 15th time uh, when you're walking down the, the path. But Carolyn Schrockshank was very helpful to me. And uh, she's been through 
as much if not more. And she said to me, you know, John, you should be happy if someone wants to talk to you, that uh, they really do care. And she was right. And I, was, uh, I had to rethink that. But anyway, um, for six months, I spent a lot of time looking out um, from inside. Now, that doesn't mean I was never outside, but this is from inside of my hospital room, looking out. And uh, that's me, yes. <laughs> um, took a picture over my shoulder. And uh, winter came, and so I'd look outside, and I couldn't, I couldn't run the snowblower, so Beck ran the snowblower, and I got to watch her do that. But I also looked for beauty, and I took photographs, and uh, just looked out and found all kinds of things, uh, some of them frustrating and some of them beautiful. Well, faith, um, I'll tell you, at times I was just plain mad. Um, I, I uh, can appreciate my Jewish friends that can rant and rave at God, and uh, sometimes I could appreciate a good rant, and sometimes I just simply yelled at God. Um, I'm going to share with you a, a piece of music that I just ran into recently, and I know some of you folks know this already, but Glenn Hansard is an is Irish singer, and I'll play a bit of this song for you. But he's ranting against what seems to be a silent God. So where was God? Well, where is God uh, for all of us when we're in deep despair? And what have I done to deserve that? Sometimes I was just, though, in awe of being here, period, that I was still living. And uh, sometimes I said, is this what dying is like? I didn't know. But I did know I had a wife and three children, and I loved life, and uh, School needed me, and I needed living, and I wasn't done living. As Marvin Bartell said when he retired, I ain't dead yet. So where's the light? People often ask me, uh, have, have these illnesses uh, changed your faith? And I'd say, and I say, no, not really. Um, because my uh, simple view of a fix-it-for-me-now-God uh, went out the window when I was about 19 years of age and went through some pretty difficult times, and I can talk with you about that later on if you want. Um, but I just know that uh, the way I see the world and the way I see God uh, was pretty well um, formed in that time. That doesn't mean that's the only way I see it. But I do see glimpses of God. Um, I worked really hard at being in the moment uh, to survive this. I walked and I talked. Um, by the way, I ran and walked 765 miles last year, as a matter of fact. I pushed my little Christmas tree, as I called it, with, uh, with uh, chemo on it, uh, around and around and around that building, sometimes outside when I could. Maybe a few of you ran into me in my bathrobe, running around, pushing it in the sunshine, and, and the lovely thing was I could, I could feel like I was out for a hike, and I really was out for a hike. I was out in the beautiful sun. I talked with everybody, anybody. I, I enjoyed that a lot. Um, everything from a Nigerian sweeping fellow to doctors that had been to Harvard. Um, a woman from Russia that brought my tray into me to eat every day, and we talked a lot about her life, and uh, some wonderful people. I prayed. Um, and sometimes the prayers felt pretty silly because I really don't know a God that answers quickly and answers prayers easily and directly. 
Um, after all, uh, God's got a lot of things to do. <laughs> you know? um, I just don't see a God that does that. And besides, if God did answer prayers, some of the people that I love so dearly would still be living. So not an easy thing, but it did help me get my head on straight and it helped me get into reality as, as it really was. I read a lot and thought about better times in the future and this brought normalcy. Um, and, I, and I listened to wonderful healing music. I read Wendell Berry, I read Lance Armstrong's book, even though he was very young when he went through that. I've read John Updike, Ian McEwen, Jeff Gundy, Stanley Kunitz. I read monographs of uh, artist David Hockney, William Kentridge from South Africa, Peter Doig, and it excited me about life and art and about something beyond myself. And I had lunch with friends and family. Um, a couple of my friends, including Steve, shaved their heads in solidarity. And I suppose we were, few, we were the few skinheads for peace. That's what I like to think. Um, and my family called, and friends were wonderful. And my sister, who never comes out to visit from Boston, came out to visit for half a week, and it was great. Um, friends were really supportive. Some of you folks actually walked up to my room, and if you want some really weird stories, talk to Joanne Brandt about her childhood, things like that. But it was great fun. Uh, and I really appreciated all of those things. And I appreciated students walking up to me in the brew and saying, how are you doing? We really miss you. And I really missed them, too, I'll tell you. Um, I napped when I felt like it because I needed to. Sometimes I just got worn out. It beats you up when you have chemo. And watched lots of funny movies. And I bought this wonderful little MacBook that has this little uh, camera eye in it. And so, of course, when you have something like a new toy, you play with it. So this is the start, and it kept getting better. <laughs> And I even got more handsome. <laughs> and even more handsome. So yeah, I had some fun. Um, besides uh, my old friends, I made some new ones too. Uh, I got cards from people I didn't even know. Uh, my sister has a church in, in Brookline, and the choir all signed a card to me. Um, I've got a Jewish friend who's a poet and, and teaches at the University of Oregon, and he uh, teaches in a Catholic institution and had a Quaker mentor, a lovely man who wrote me some wonderful poems and some very supportive uh, emails. Um, so, and of course, my church and my small group and pastors and so forth came. Uh, we even had New Year's party up in the second floor of, uh, of Goshen Hospital with party hats and all. And I really uh, appreciated that, and it made life much sweeter and more normal. Eventually, I realized that people sort of slowed down coming to see me, but I was getting better. And I, was, uh, I, I really did have the notion in my head, and I still do, that I'm going to lick this thing. And I have a mother-in-law sitting over here who, in her early 40s, had breast cancer, and she's still here. And so she knew all the time, somehow internally, that this was going to be something she could beat, and she has. Lovely. So yes, I had a dark cloud over me and my house. Sometimes it feels that way. But Job lost a whole lot more. And if you really want a contemporary Job, you can go to Iraq, or Iran, or Afghanistan, or Burundi, or, or Sudan, um, Mexico. 
and there you might find a, a man or a woman with large B-cell lymphoma whose family has been killed off, who houses, whose house has been destroyed, and who has no hope for good medical care. That's Job in my mind. So I'm really lucky. I don't believe God caused this to happen, nor do I believe that he or she has, gives, uh, doesn't give us more than we can handle. That's, uh, give me a break, that's just not true. We get an awful lot that we sometimes just cannot handle. It can break us. Very difficult life. I do find God in the predictability of nature, although we don't know nature as well as we think we do. My, chemi my chemist and physics friends tell me, we all live short or long lives, we get sick and we die, and that's the natural cycle, and all of us have that. Even the universe is slowing down and someday this earth will end, so says Ted Peters, the theologian scientist, and that's probably true, but it's way beyond our lifetime, so we, don't pretend, we pretend it isn't true. I find light in life's mystery. Darkness is a given, but light, delivering goodness and healing, seems to be our job as followers, and so is seeing the light. I got to have a, a brand new granddaughter in Ann Arbor, and uh, that was light. And my sister and brother-in-law from Boston coming out to see me, and my other sister from Cleveland and her husband also would come out and, and see me. And uh, we celebrated my sister's birthday party, and my brother-in-law did me the honor of giving me hair when I didn't have any. <laughs> and this was me on my last day, April 20, 07, in Goshen Hospital, and that's the end of my chemo drip. And I was uh, very happy that was it. We took a quick trip to Atlanta to see another grandchild down there. We spent some time out on the East Coast, and I did some painting even nighttime painting, and you notice I have some hair. And that's my painting that I did last summer. So I feel blessed and uh, deeply indebted, um, literally deeply indebted. I have spent over $300,000 on myself in the last, uh, since I've been an employee here at Goshen College. Uh, that seems mind-boggling, and I'm very appreciative of having insurance because there are many in this country who do not. I don't know what they would do. Much more than that, I feel great love, and uh, I, have, I have been loved, and, and uh, I feel very pleased with that. And I feel deeply indebted to my department, by the way, and my colleagues who stepped up and uh, took over when things had to be done and uh, did a marvelous job, and they were very loving to me as well. And of course, Beck, my wife, and my children, and my broader family, all invaluable support. But the jury's still out. I've got four years yet where they'll track me with CT scans and uh, check labs. I hope that I've licked this thing, and I hope I'm good for 100,000 miles more, but there's no guarantee. But if you can find light in the darkness, it may be that strength comes to us from God in our moments of deepest weakness and vulnerability. I believe I found that so. Thanks. Thank you, John, for sharing your stories. In the interest of time, I know that you're under a lot of pressure here. We're not going to sing a closing song, but Lane is going to play My Life Flows On, number 580. Let me read just a few of the words. My life flows on in endless song. Above earth's lamentation, I catch the sweet, though far off hymn that hails a new creation. No storm can shake 
my inmost calm, while to that rock I'm clinging. Since love is Lord of heaven and earth, how can I keep from singing? He's going to play it through. I invite you to stay and reflect if you'd like and leave when the Spirit moves you. <laughs> 